Now, on Monday night, I almost skipped my meeting to the West Richmond Businessmen's Association, which I have joined, and I really enjoy meeting all these guys who have different businesses. And it's just an interesting collection of kind of entrepreneurs and and people sometimes from old school businesses. But I, I noticed that uh, Governor Jim Gilmore, the former ambassador to Europe, would be speaking. And I thought, well, I get to talk to him every week on the radio. So what am I going to learn, <laughs> you know, going to hear him speak? It was a great speech. I got to tell you, even for me and all these, at this point, hours that I've spent on the radio talking to Jim Gilmore, it was really compelling. And you could tell that the people who were in the audience were very interested in his perspective. He was, I, I think, appropriately strong in articulating his position that that this war is important for America to pay attention to and not grow tired of. Uh, Governor Gilmore is with us this morning. How did you feel? Did um, Am I exaggerating, or did you feel like there was a real um, connection with that audience? And is that well, the reception you get most of the time when you give these types of remarks? Well, listen, good morning, and uh, I'm having an opportunity to speak to a large number of organizations, and I was happy about that speech because we had almost 100 people there that night. Yeah. Uh, it, they were very attentive, I thought, uh, interested in the in the topic. By the way, you said you've got to be worried about uh, those those guys or those, those people in uh, D.C. manipulating you. Uh, that's going to be a full-time occupation for you. No, no kidding. Uh, no kidding. But, but look, uh, yeah, it was a, a good opportunity, I think, to speak to business leaders across the Richmond area, and I was uh, happy to have a chance to do that, John. And uh, I'm glad you, you attended as a member, so thank you for being there. Yeah. Well, there was one guy, and, you know, i got to check myself sometimes. He, you know, I judge people. I guess we all do. But he was sitting over in the corner having a bourbon, I guess. He did not look to me like one of these people who would be studying foreign policy. He was the first person to ask you a question. And I thought, okay, what's this guy going to ask? What does he know about it? And he asked about Belarus. And I thought, well, dang on it. <laughs> you know what? Here's somebody who, out of all of the, out of the 100 people who are here, who's getting into the nitty-gritty and seems to know a map of Europe, um, so let me ask you, on behalf of, of that guy, because I thought it was pretty a pretty intelligent question, what are the neighboring countries doing? And Belarus in particular, I keep now that now that they're on my radar, that story keeps popping up of Belarus and, and their relationship with Russia and their animosity to the Ukraine. Well, a few things I would suggest to your listeners uh, very quickly. Number one, I think you ought to pull out a map and take a look at what's going on, because there's a danger here there's going to be a general war in Europe. Mm. Uh, and that, of course, as my message the other night was, if Europe is impugned, if Europe is influenced by a dominant military power that's aggressive like the Russians, it can change the politics of all of Europe uh, in the future. Not now. Right now, the Europe is resolute about this, and, and they're uh, rallying to American leadership very strongly. But over the years ahead, I'm trying to look ahead, always with you on this radio show, look ahead. Mm -hmm. And the danger would be that uh, that Europe would be intimidated and their politics towards the United States would change. And I take the position that is a existential danger to the United States of America, particularly if the, if the Pacific breaks out at the same time. Uh, and then you've got a real problem. So the first thing I would do is suggest people look at a map. Now, uh, you, uh, Russia is and Ukraine uh, are bordering each other, and so does uh, Belarus. 
when I was the ambassador in Judea, I made a special effort to reach out to the people and to the leadership and to the diplomats in Belarus. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I thought I was making some progress. We were going to do some projects together and uh, build that kind of relationship, which I thought would not be something the Russians would like. And in fact, the politics has changed. The Russians have militarily started to oppress uh, Belarus. Uh, But the people there rebelled against the leadership there. But he's being held in power by the military and by the police, which is a classic role of tyranny. This is Lukashenko. Uh, And I think Lukashenko. And I think that if he does send his soldiers into Ukraine in order to at a pivotal moment, he runs the risk that the people of uh, Belarus will rise up against him. Uh, I think he knows that, and that's why those soldiers have not been sent to Ukraine yet. Lukashenko held a press conference of some kind yesterday, and I saw a couple of stories about it where, you know, maybe this confirms what you just said. He indicated Ukraine should have negotiated with Russia. Then there would be no war. And, of course, I'm thinking as I read this and I see the clips, well, Hold on. Why does an independent country uh, get forced into a negotiation with an aggressive country that happens to be a neighbor? What's that all about? That That's a different dynamic. If you think somebody can demand that you come to the negotiating table and give something up under the threat of uh, of hostile action. Well, that's the, the key here to, to listen to, to think about this as we go on. And I want to recognize that the rise of isolationism in America is, is, is a concern. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, to, to double back to the other principle, which is very real, if you can have a uh, destruction of the whole Helsinki Accord final act situation, if you can attack or threaten another country militarily and force it to do your will, then at that point, uh, Russia wins. Uh, if there's a negotiation where he, uh, Ukraine has to cede some of its territory or acknowledge the conquest of Crimea, for example, yeah. uh, then uh, then Russia wins. And at that point, you're on your way uh, to a further escalation of this as the years go ahead. And then, of course, to that danger that I've tried to outline to your listeners, the, the danger to all of Europe. Not necessarily that they be rolled over and conquered, although that's always a possibility, but uh, the, the danger is their politics will change. They'll be more neutralized. Right now, uh, Europe is not neutral. They are very pro-American. They're in the American camp. They're in their own camp, and we're in theirs. But the Russians don't like that, and I think to seek that, through, it's changed that through this kind of military aggression. Hey, before I run out of time, can I ask you about a domestic? I mean, it's not an issue. You you were pretty good, uh, along with Governor George Allen, your your predecessor, at bringing in... Uh, new projects to Virginia, private business, and where possible getting uh, government, federal government um, projects completed. And I noticed that Governor Youngkin actually stood with uh, Senator Tim Kaine and Senator Mark Warner yesterday saying, hey, bring the FBI headquarters up to Northern Virginia. You think that's likely? What, What happens behind the scenes to make something like that occur? Uh, usually uh, an assurance that uh, you can, you've, got, you've got the proper infrastructure, roads, uh, the building would be proper. It's very interesting that you would move a major facility like that out of Washington, D.C. Washington, mm-hmm. D.C. is always the center of government. To move things either to Maryland or Virginia is a little different. But on the other hand, CIA has always been in Langley, Virginia, uh, just four or five miles outside of Washington. Yeah. So it's not unprecedented, and uh, it would be a good thing to have a major facility like that in Virginia. 
Um, I've got to run, but it's, it does sound like you've got a pretty uh, rigorous uh, speaking engagement schedule. I saw that you're speaking up in uh, in Northern Virginia for the the anniversary of the 100th anniversary of the Masonic, the George Washington Masonic uh, Memorial um, that's coming up, I guess, this weekend. And then, w- where else can people visit with you if you're traveling around? Well, I, actually, I have uh, eleven more speeches on the books right now. Really, uh, many to Rotary, many yeah, many to Rotary. I just get a lot of invitations. Mm. Many to Rotary clubs, but uh, the the Masons certainly have me up there for three days next week. In turn, with the uh, the cornerstone laying uh, celebration of the of the National Memorial, and I'll be doing that, and also laying a wreath uh, for George Washington at Mount Vernon. Uh, but uh, there's a lot of things going on. The Republicans from Virginia Beach have asked me to go down there in uh, several weeks and give a, a major address down there. So it's it's mostly because people are very concerned about, I think, the Ukraine issue. Yeah. And I'm so, having a chance to speak on that issue. I uh, asked you about the Senate race the other day, but maybe I, you know, Nikki Haley jumped into the presidential race yesterday, and you've run twice for president, right? I mean, would you... If if this if this doesn't open up to a lot of candidates challenging President Trump, who was your old boss, do you, would that even be something you'd contemplate this time around? Well, you'd be very kind to say that. I think I know a lot about running for president at this point, and I know how hard that really is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you have to have a lot of uh, finance. I, I haven't tried to address that issue, uh, but I'm, I'm grateful for people who say those nice things. I also want to be sure that uh, your listeners know that if they want to email me, they can email me at gilmoreambassador at gmail.com. Okay. And we'll, we'll read all that email. We'll read all that email and probably respond to it, gilmoreambassador at gmail.com. Oh, boy. All the people who email me every time you come on can now hit you up directly. Listen, I appreciate it. The former governor of Virginia, the former ambassador to Europe, Jim Gilmore, thank you. Good. Thank you very much, John. Okay. 849 on this Thursday. We're back with more in a moment. News Radio, WRVA.